0: Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message Good morning, New Covenant. Happy Post Easter Sunday. Good news is we get to celebrate the resurrection every single day of our lives, so we don't have to just do that one day of the year. So welcome, Uh, glad that you are here. I am going to help you get your bearings straight because we've been like three weeks out of Revelation because we did celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry coming into Jerusalem, getting ready for his crucifixion, which we celebrated on Good Friday, and then we celebrated what I would say is the greatest event in all of human history, Jesus rose from the dead. We celebrated that together last week. And uh, now we're diving back into the book of Revelation, where we're taking a look at the resurrected Jesus in heaven, the worship service that's going to happen around him. All of heaven is rejoicing over the fact that Jesus is worthy to be praised, and that's why we gather together each week, because Jesus is worthy to be praised. Now, if you got your Bibles and you go to Revelation chapter 5, you're going to notice that the very first word in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verse 1, is the word then, um, or some of you all have the word and. It's really the word and. In the Greek, it's the word chi. It's what we call a coordinating conjunction. Coordinating conjunctions tie two things together. My point in all of that is that really Revelation 4 and 5 should be read all together as a whole. So we had this gap, which makes things tricky for your pastor because we're preaching through a passage that should really all be together. But I'll help you tie all of this together real quick. Revelation chapter one, John gets this amazing revelation of Jesus. It's all about Jesus and it's all from Jesus. Then in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, we get the seven letters to seven literal churches on how they should be living, where they're doing well, where they're falling short, and we learned 35 lessons together, five lessons from each of the seven churches as to how we should be living a life that brings Him honor and glory before the next event that happens, which I believe is the rapture of the church, and then we end up with, with the Lord up in heaven, which is the glimpse we're going to get in revelation 4 and 5. Now, revelation 4 and 5 are a big deal because revelation 6 all the way through 19 can be a little bit of a bummer because it's all about what we would call the seven-year tribulation or the time of Jacob's trouble. Now, it's not all bummer all the way through because there are these little things that we call parentheses that we'll talk about later where Yeah, it's rough, like next week when we get to Revelation 6, it's rough, it's judgment. But then you get a little break in Revelation 7, and you get a little piece of good news. But then you go back to the roughness in 8 and 9 and a little bit further. So, I'm going to ask you in the course of the weeks to come, stick with me because it's really not all a bummer. Remember, for those of us that know the Lord, I think we're going to be in heaven with the Lord when a lot of these nasty things are happening, and we'll get to see the Lord execute his righteous judgment on the earth, which is a good thing. Now, listen. I get it. I I know that most of our society likes the loving Jesus, the merciful Jesus, the gracious Jesus, and those are all things that are true about him, but it's also a really good thing that he is completely righteous and that he is a judge. We don't want evil to run rampant forever. We want justice to be served, and it will. Okay, all that to be said. Let's go to Revelation chapter 5. We are tackling 14 verses this morning before we have a couple baptisms, so we will get you out of here by Tuesday. Ready? Stand with me, if you would, as we honor the Lord Jesus. We're going to go Revelation 5 all the way down to the end, which is in verse 14. It says, Then, or and, I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written written and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Thank you, gang. You can have a seat. John's big idea, the one overarching thing that he's going to get across to us, and really it's from Jesus through John, is that there's no problem in all of creation that Jesus can't provide for that won't result in his praise. Listen to that again. There is no problem in all of creation that Jesus can't provide for that won't result in his praise. John finds himself in a dilemma. There's a problem in heaven. Okay, before you brand me as a heretic, don't worry. It's going to get resolved really quick, so we don't have issues in heaven. But John looks around in this vision and goes, we've got a problem. The answer to the problem is going to be found in a person. But before we get to that person, before we get to the provision, what's the problem that John sees in heaven? Look at the first four verses again. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, now stop, if we go back to chapter 4, who is it that's seated on the throne that John is seeing? It's God the Father, and he's holding a scroll written and on the back. It's written within and on the back, and it's sealed with seven seals. Seven is that symbol of perfection. Oftentimes when a title deed would be made, they would roll it up as a scroll, then they would put a seal upon it, and the only person that was allowed to open that title deed was the owner of the title. John's looking around and going, there's nobody that owns all of creation. There's nobody that owns all of heaven. There's nobody that owns the angels that can open this up. And so the angel asks the question, who's worthy? What does John find out in verses 3 and 4? Nobody in heaven, nobody on earth, nobody under the earth can open it. So I began to weep loudly. Why was John so distraught? Well, remember, John is one of the 12 apostles who's going to have his name written on the 12 foundation stones in heaven. Eleven of the 12 all died brutal deaths, some by beheading. We believe Peter was crucified upside down. Um, Others were thrown to wild animals. All kinds of brutal ways the disciples died, except for John. However, he's in his 90s, sleeping on the ground, exiled on an island called Patmos. And he knows many of his friends have been killed for their faith in Jesus. Many of his family members have been killed for their faith in Jesus. And now he's by himself, and he's going through all this grief on his own. I want you to imagine losing your best friends and having nobody to console you losing family members, and there's nobody there to console you. And now you're on an island, and then you get this vision of heaven, and nobody can open up the scroll that reveals the rest of God's will for all of human history. And you know what John thinks? My whole life has been a pointless waste. I went through all this sacrifice. I went through all of this pain, and now nobody can even open up the scroll, which is going to tell us what happens next. Until... This elder steps on the scene. Remember, he's representative of the redeemed. We don't know exactly who this elder is. But can you imagine he walks over to, to John and says, although you've got a problem, which what is the problem? No one is able to fulfill God's plan. That's the problem. The problem is no one can fulfill God's plan. No one can open up this scroll and show us what is to take place next so for you note takers that's the first thing to note is that there's a problem and so as John looks around and sees no one is able to fulfill the problem one of the elders comes over to poor John and says don't worry about it look at verse 5 weep no more behold the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals And between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. Remember, John is looking around, he sees God the Father holding this scroll, the problem is nobody can open it, which means that nobody can fulfill God's plan, which means that the world is a mess and there's no one that can fix it. In his eyes, in his human eyes, that's what he's seeing. Think about the world we live in. We have looked for hope in all the wrong places. People have looked for it in Oprah. They've looked for it in Dr. Oz. They've looked for it in religion. They've looked for it in the Democrats. They've looked for it in the Republicans. They've looked for it everywhere. They've looked for it in education. Maybe if everybody just had health care. Maybe if everybody was just... Better educated. And you know what we have found with every single one of those? They've all fallen on their face, and mankind has gotten no better. However, if you study history, every culture and every society that has embraced the gospel of Jesus has flourished until they've turned their back on Jesus. Now, when I say flourished, it doesn't mean that we're going to be rich. It doesn't mean we're going to have nice cars and we're going to have nice houses. What I mean by that is that families and homes have flourished. When Jesus is honored, divorce rates plummet. When Jesus is honored, teenage pregnancies begin to plummet. When Jesus is honored, juvenile delinquency begins to plummet. However, as a society, most of our society has said, we don't want him in school, we don't want him in politics, we don't want him in healthcare, and so God has given us exactly what we've asked for, and guess what's happened? We've got a massive problem and everybody's looking for an answer. And nobody can find one. Do you wonder why our society is in such despair? Do you wonder why there is so much depression and anxiety all over our society? Because we're looking for it in all the wrong places. However, God has left a remnant on the planet that can turn around and say, just as this elder did, hey, we've got an answer to all these problems. And it's, it actually is in a person His name's Jesus. In fact, what we just read in Revelation 5, 5 through 7, is that the provision to every problem is found in Jesus. Remember, the elder puts his hand on John and says, Weep no more, for the lion of the tribe of Judah and the root of David. Don't miss those two titles. Those are what make him qualified to open up the scroll. The lion of the tribe of Judah speaks of his physical descent, the tribe that he is going to come through. And notice what it calls him of that tribe. He is the lion. He is the king of the jungle. There is no other king. The reason that that title is used is that the Jews of the day would have almost worshipped David as a god because he was such a great king. In fact, they elevated him to a spot where he probably didn't belong And they're saying, now, if you want to find a king to worship, worship the lion of the tribe of Judah. And then in his deity, there is the root of David. Notice that he is the root of David, not the root from David. In other words, David comes from him, not the other way around. And again, remember, if they're worshiping David as not only a king, but almost deifying him, they're being told right off the bat with his title, don't worship David, worship the one who is going to sit on David's throne forever. What great application for us. Anything that's created, whether it be a person, whether it be a possession, whether it be power, it's all finite and it's all limited. And it's all going to be brought down. However, there is one who is infinite who sits on the throne forever. His name is Jesus. Let me remind us of our big idea this morning. There is no problem in all of creation that Jesus can't provide for that won't result in his praise. Is that a good reason to rejoice this morning? It's a great reason. And then listen, speaking of the problem and the provision and Jesus' praise, I want you to note in verse 5 and then in verse 6, there's also two other titles, or actually two animals that are used to describe our Jesus. In verse 5, he's described as a lion. In verse 6, he's described as a lamb. Both of those matter greatly. As a lion, he conquers and he reigns. As a lamb, he dies for our sin. Both of those are absolutely necessary. As a lion, Jesus wears a crown. As a lamb, he was bearing a cross. And then as a lion, our Jesus is sovereign over everything. As a lamb, he's our savior. Going back and forth with those two descriptions is absolutely imperative. In fact, you see the absolute certainty of Jesus' sovereignty in verse 7. Look at what he does. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. Who can take the scroll from God Almighty? Well, only the second person of the Godhead Trinity. God Almighty, Jesus himself goes and he takes the scroll and now that the one that's found worthy to fulfill all of God's plans steps forward the scene now changes from weeping to here we go here's the here's the exciting part we go from weeping to the greatest worship service that's ever been had some of you all have been part of great worship services I love our worship service week in and week out there is not a worship service this side of heaven that will compare to what we're about to read about in verses 8 through 14 check this out it says, beginning in verse 8, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, I could do a mini series of sermons just on this two, these two verses this song. Listen to what they do. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. What makes Jesus worthy? First of all, he's God in flesh. You'll read that all over scripture. There were numerous times that Jesus himself said, I am God, and that's what got him nailed to a cross. And then it says that you were slain, and by your blood, you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. Regardless of where your background, where you're from, what you've done, what job you've had, what degrees you hold or don't hold, if you have trusted in the Lord Jesus, you have been ransomed. In other words, you have been bought back. And at a very costly price. None of it costly to us. It all costs Jesus. You've heard this before, but salvation for us is free. But it costs Jesus Everything. And he came and he ransomed us. And then when he did, what did he do for us? He made us a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. In about five and a half short months, we will finally be at Revelation chapter 20, where Jesus sets up this little, literal 1,000 year reign on the earth. And he will sit on his throne and he told his disciples and he tells us that we are going to get to be co-heirs with Christ. We don't have any right to reign and rule anything. And yet he's going to give us the right to be co-heirs with him. But it also says that he made us priests to our God. Did you know that nobody else has to go to God on your behalf? Unfortunately, there's still a lot of religious people running around that think because of what they've been told by their churches, somebody else has to do the thinking for them. Somebody else has to go to God for them. But what we discover is that the moment that Jesus died, when the veil of the temple was torn in two and access to the Holy of Holies was open to anybody and everybody, we have now been made priests before God. In other words, we can go directly to God's throne room at any point. Do we all know what a blessing that is? Did you know there is nothing in all of heaven, nothing in all of earth, and nothing in all of hell that can keep you from going directly to God's throne room? We get free access. I don't do a good enough job of thinking about that throughout the week, how blessed I am that at any moment in time I could stop and just go straight to the King of kings and the Lord of lords because of what Jesus did. What a blessing we have in in prayer, being able to go to the Lord in prayer. Well, in verses 8 through 14, we read that the provision to every problem that's found in Jesus results in this explosion of praise. And I hope and I pray that when you sing praises to the Lord, those aren't just words because you know the songs but they're an explosion of praise because of the fact that Jesus is worthy. And you recognize that. Do we all recognize how worthy Jesus is? You're allowed to say yes or no. There's coffee in the lobby, just so you know. Do we all recognize the worthiness of our Jesus? Listen, we just sang a song about the worthiness of his praise. Did we mean that? Because if we meant it, I'm going I'm to do everything short of begging you at the end of this service that we leave here as unashamed disciples of Jesus that tell Albuquerque all about him. In fact, I'll ask you now and I'll ask it again, but are any of you all sitting in this room unashamed of your Jesus? Are you unashamed of his glory and his righteousness and his honor to the point where, man, I am unashamedly going to tell everybody I meet? All about my Jesus, because I can't wait. Well, in heaven, they're singing songs to his praise. It really starts, the first song is in verses 8 through 10. You'll notice it's the church that's singing this. The church is singing that first song. In verses 11 through 12, the angels join in. They start singing along with the redeemed. And then by the time you get to verses 13 and 14, it says all of creation is singing the praises of Jesus. And why are they doing it? Well, they told us why. He's worthy. Did you know that there's only one that's worthy of your praise? There's only one that's worthy of your worship? I also noticed something else. There's one thing that all three of these songs have in common. You know what it is? They're all about the worthiness of Jesus. What I love about our worship team, and I am so thankful that the Lord has brought Paul to us and those that are joining in with him, is that they seek diligently week in and week out to make sure that the song selection that we have is, is geared around the majesty of Jesus, the worthiness of Jesus. Now, I'm not picking on certain songs, but I would beg you to be aware of what it is that you're singing throughout the week. There's a lot of great worship songs that come on Christian radio throughout the week. Then there are other times where I listen and I go, that song is just a little bit too much about self and what God needs to do for me. Did you know that God doesn't need to do anything for us? Really, it's all about Him. Well, as we move on, I want to ask a very practical question. If we look at Revelation 4, which you may not remember this because it's three weeks ago, but our big idea from Revelation chapter 4 was we need to worship God in our temporary home because that's what we'll be doing in our eternal home. When it comes to Revelation 5, we're worshiping Jesus because he is the problem or he is the answer to every problem in all of creation. He is the provision for every problem in all of creation. And because of that, we should be praising him. But how do I become a person that praises him all the time? How do I make that an active part of my life? Well, it's really built into our mission statement as a church. And mission statements are stupid if you don't do anything with them. Here's what I mean by that. I've been in ministry now for about 22 years, and I have seen every vision and mission statement possible on the planet. And unfortunately, in many places, it really just becomes a saying that's on a carpet or a banner. So unless it actually means something, our vision and our mission statement don't mean a whole lot. Y'all ready for a quiz? How many of y'all know what our mission statement is at New Covenant Church? Come on, yell it out, somebody. What's our mission statement at New Covenant Church? I just heard five different things, I'm about to cry right now. To know Jesus and to make him known. That is our mission. Every day it's to know Jesus and to make him known. That is just a saying on a banner if we don't really mean it. So again, it begs a little bit of a question. Do any of you all have a desire to get to know Jesus better each day? I can't wait. What about making him known? Now, all of that is meant to push us towards our vision. Our vision is that thing that we are aiming for, that we will never hit this side of heaven, but yet we continue to strive for it. Now, here's the harder one. Does anybody know what our vision statement is at New Covenant Church? To treasure Jesus above all else. Our, Our goal is to treasure Jesus above all else. The only way that we move towards treasuring Jesus more than anything else is that we get to know him. And then because we want others to treasure him above all else, we also go out and we make him known. But that begs another question. How do I go about getting to know Jesus and making him known? That is all part of the discipleship process, but we know that that is through worshiping him, That is through getting ourselves equipped by knowing his word, knowing what we believe and why we believe it. It's through doing what we do on Sundays and on Wednesdays and in small groups and at youth group and at children. We're connecting with fellow believers. We're also going out, we're sharing the gospel prayerfully with everybody, and we're going out and we're serving anybody and everybody that comes in our path. Now, what does the structure of our worship look like? How do I keep growing day by day. I want to lay out three things for you when it comes to putting up a house. And we're only going to take the bare bones. But the first starts with the foundation. If I don't have a rock-solid foundation, everything else around it is going to fall apart. Well, the foundation for our worship starts with our mind. What are you filling your brain with? Are you constantly in God's Word and filling your mind with God's Word? Do you have a plan for doing this? If you don't, We have this little thing called the New Covenant Bible and book reading plan, and that is to help you see Jesus on every single page so the foundation of your life is all geared around our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and nothing else. There's a lot of good things that happen at New Covenant, lots of ministries, lots of different things that we're doing, but if all of those aren't for the singular purpose of helping our people treasure Jesus above all else, then we are failing, so Actually, let's take the positive and keep it really simple. How do we know if our men's ministry, our women's ministry, our youth ministry, our children's ministry, our small group ministry, our compassion ministry, how do we know if those things are actually successful or not? Are they helping people to treasure Jesus more than anything else? If they are, success if it has just become about how many people we get into those ministries or how many people we have serving in those ministries or how many dollars we have coming in as a result of those ministries, that is not the definition of success. There are organizations and churches and even cult groups that are much bigger than New Covenant probably ever will be. Does that mean that they are successful in the eyes of the Lord? The answer to that is absolutely not. So how do we know if we're living a life as individuals and as families before we come here on a Sunday that is successful? Well, let me ask you, in your mind, are you treasuring Jesus above all else? What about with your words? That's what I would say are the walls. Once we've laid the foundation, then we put up the walls. We put up the structure. And a lot of that has to do with our words because our words can tear down or our words can build up. Heck, the Apostle Paul seems to make that really clear. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful for building others up. And then he lets us know what that is. It's Jesus. It's all about him. Are you talking about him? Are you sharing the goodness of Jesus in your life? Are you telling others about how much they need Jesus? Are you encouraging others to trust Jesus if they haven't yet? For those that already know him, are you encouraging them to walk closer with him? Do you challenge people that have false beliefs about the world and Jesus? And then there's the roof which is our actions. See, a roof is meant to protect you from the elements. Our actions are going to put us in a position to be blessed and be protected, or they're going to put us in a place of danger. And I'm not just talking about physical danger, because God might call you to a place that's physically dangerous. But remember, even in a place of physical danger, if you are in God's will, you are in the safest place that you could possibly be. Well, let me wrap up today before we dive into a special time of baptisms by saying this. That the gist of not just this chapter, not even just the book of Revelation, but the entire Bible really boils down to this. There isn't a single problem in all of creation that Jesus can't provide for that won't result in his praise. Think all the way back to the very beginning, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. The first problem creeps in in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve are stupid. Just like us. We have followed ever since. I think there's a reason why the Bible calls us sheep. did any of you know how dumb sheep are? They're dumb. If one walks off the edge of the cliff, guess what the rest of the group is going to do? Do we not tend to do the same thing as human beings? Sheep do the same dumb thing over and over again. They will eat things that make them sick, and then they will go back and eat it again. Now, I know that none of you are going to say yes to this, but none of you have ever done the same dumb thing over and over again, Right? Just hoping it'll get you different results. And then afterwards going, why did I do it again? And the following day you do it all over again. You know why? Okay, don't hate me afterwards. I'm just the messenger. But you and I, we're dumb sheep. That's just the way it goes. But remember, there isn't a problem in all of creation that Jesus can't provide for that won't result in his praise. So I want to encourage you. Bring him the honor. Bring him the glory that is due his name. I'm gonna spend a moment. I'm gonna pray for us, and then I'm gonna invite Tyler down. And then, oh help me, Tyler! Is it Cody and August that are coming? Great. So we're gonna have Tyler down here. Um, Tyler has been such a blessing to us. He has been part of our security team. Um, he could beat up most of us sitting in the room. I, I, I smirked off one time, and I didn't wake up till the following week because he put me. I'm just kidding. He's way too nice of a guy. He's gonna come up, and he's gonna baptize two of his boys. How exciting is that, that dad is going to baptize his sons? Uh, So we're excited for that. So I'm going to spend a moment, I'm going to pray. Um, Guys, while I'm praying, you can just go ahead and make your way up here if you'd like. So let me pray for uh, our time of diving into baptism. Let me pray for them. And then uh, we will engage in watching uh, these two young men make a public profession of their faith. So let me pray for us. Jesus, we come before you and we just thank you for our time together. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the fact that you are worthy Uh, Lord of our everything. And so, Lord Jesus, we give it all to you. Lord, we praise you for who you are. Lord Jesus, we confess and we admit and we uh, lay down before you now uh, the areas that we struggle with giving you all of the honor and glory that you are deserving of. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. We ask that you would bless our time together as we have the great privilege of getting to watch Tyler baptize his boys. Lord, we praise you for who you are. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray together. Amen. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. NCCABQ.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. Have a great week.